The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 6, Excerpt from Speech to the National Space Society, January 1989. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, yes, I'm talking to all the wide breadth of field of all of you Trekophiles out there spelled with an F. We have a special show today. I know I say that every week, but, you know, we uh, we number our shows by the season. And yes, it's wonderful to be here in the middle of the ninth season, but this is actually our 200th Trek Files that we're bringing you today. And so I thought that still called for a special moment and a special guest. So, hey... Our document, as always, is right there on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Check it out. It's a speech by Gene. Uh, and then you want to be right back with our special guest of the week. Here's an audio sample, but you don't want to miss our guest today. far more good news than bad in sight for humanity. Viewed from at least one perspective, the very design of our galaxy seems to suggest that intelligences like ours are not considered unimportant or worth squandering in the great scheme of things. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, everybody, you canonistas, <laughs> you, you tech heads, everybody who, who has an interest, everybody who has been attracted to the great thing that we all love called Star Trek, because, yes, all the people who have touched it and furthered it over the decades, but it, it all began with one guy, the guy whose uh, file cabinets we keep raiding every week, Gene Roddenberry. And so for this 200th episode of The Trek Files, uh, here is a sample of a speech he gave to the National Space Society in 1989, and who better to talk about looking at Gene Roddenberry today than his son. I'm so thrilled to have back with us uh, Rod Roddenberry, the, yes, the executive producer of the Trek Files, but also the guy who had the idea to do this and asked me to do it in the first place. So Rod, it's always a special to have you with us. Um, and thank you for jumping in to help commemorate the 200th episode and take another look at, at, look at your dad and his legacy and, you know, the world then, the world now. What do, what do you think when you, when you uh, look at this? Well, first, congratulations on 200 episodes. That's that's incredible. Um, that that means you've done you know roughly 200 documents, and I feel like we've got just a couple more. So uh, <laughs> I think there's a little, yeah, <laughs> maybe 200,000 more. Anyhow, um, uh, and I also don't want to take you know full credit. I, I think many people have had the idea of we have all this incredible documentation that no one or very few people have mm -hmm. ever seen. This is the kind of thing we should share with people because we all love, well, not all of us, but most of us love to know how it was made, the behind the scenes, what that person was thinking back in the day when they did whatever it was they did. And that's what this show does in many ways. Uh, and not just that one person, of course, many different people. Um, but Larry, thank you so much for doing an incredible job of this. And thank you everyone out there who's been listening and, and who does get uh, a kick out of this and who does find uh, a lot of information. To be honest, many of these documents that Larry's gone over over the years, 
I, I have not read. And uh, there are some that I just, I don't care about, but there's one like today's, you know, I love seeing my father's speeches. Mm-hmm. I love it because it, he takes the time to sit down and he takes the time to sort of understand his audience and understand sort of what he wants to say and kind of relates it back to Star Trek and his, his optimism of, you know, of humanity in the future. And this document I have never seen before, but I absolutely love it. That is is is, one thing that always rings through is his optimism. And I always go back and think of the motion pictures, you know, the human adventure is just beginning. Yeah. Uh, You know, and that rings true here. Yeah. Yeah. No, these these documents, I I, I go time, tons of time without reading stuff that my father wrote. And I'd say it's probably been a couple of years where I really just haven't read a document. Reading this, like, brings me right back to him. I, I hear my father's voice. Like I can hear him. I've never heard him do this, but I can hear him on stage, the echo in the auditorium. I can hear these words and it's just quintessential uh, central Gene Roddenberry. And I absolutely love it. Um, uh, he, he, I mean, he starts here by saying he, he understands the audience. He's saying I'm in an audience full of, uh, uh, of scientists who could speak to this science way beyond what I could do. Um, but yet uh, here I am. I'm going to try. I'm going to talk to you as an artist. Uh, and, and I love is one thing he says. You measure, I imagine. That's mm-hmm. that's his way of sort of defining himself and the audience. Uh, and there's a number of other great quotes in here, but I'll, I'll kind of let you. Well, well, I have to go into the next paragraph and just go, say go one. Go for it. That's not. Yeah. Um, well, he, he's talking about, does this human creature belong in space? I'm not going to read the entire paragraph, but he, of course, thinks that maybe if we, we, we didn't, we, we'd probably be back on the savannah. But then he says in here, or if you prefer, the story that God kicked our ass out of the Garden of Eden for playing with ourselves. Either way, our ancestors went on from there to prove over and over again, all through our humanoid existence, that we are a super, superbly adaptable, voyaging, exploring, growing creature. I, I mean, I, I just love reading that and again, hearing yeah. his voice in my head. Well, again, it's like the motion picture tagline, but you... And, and I want to say, I mean, I'm someone that I didn't get to see your dad live anywhere. I met him the one time in the offices uh, before I before my first book had come out. But um, I didn't either. I, really. I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, I that was the one time. No, cam- I, I followed the studio signs to the letter because I was just a tourist then. I didn't bring my camera with me. I didn't know what that meant was all the no camera signs meant stick it in a bag and get it out when you get where you're going, but don't walk around on the lot with it. If I had, I might've gotten a picture. So my, my photo of our meeting is in my head, but um, those days, uh, he, it was, it was in the eighties and he was on, in fact, this speech is from 1989. So this is only a couple of years before he passed. Uh, I think it was for his, his cognitive, his, the mini strokes were kicking in. Yeah. But, um, but and I was in ninth people, grade at the time doing my go. own thing. Yeah, yeah I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> a couple of years away from uh, from from all, from the, your world changing. But I'm going to mm-hmm. say for everybody who didn't live through that time and even see had the chance to see your dad live at a convention, um, they you know there are some things on YouTube. I still go back to the old Inside Star Trek the album that's been mm, since I then been a DVD. My favorite, uh, absolute favorite. Anyone listening that's... who hasn't heard that, please. Inside yeah. Star Trek, not to be confused with the documentary Inside Star Trek, which was completely different. 
Right. There was a, an album. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. No, no. I was going to say, I, th- I was going to tell our, our younger audience and people who didn't get a chance to see him live, there are some YouTube you know, interviews out there. And, and of course, the documentary features, doc, you mm-hmm. know, your, your Trek Nation, for mm-hmm. one thing, and the other documentaries, but even more accessible. Boy, yeah, I'm going to echo that if you can get that, because you were talking about his voice and, and just the way he looked at things, because this theme from the speech, this thing about... Uh, the the humanity, the human race, mm-hmm. however he's going to mm-hmm. couch it, uh, has so much potential, and he is an optimist. But I think the way he reconciles the fact that, like he says, he's talking about here Rwanda and Vietnam and South Africa as apartheid in the at the day. Like, how, why is humanity so special if we're doing all these horrible things to each other, or we're doing these horrible things to the planet? Yeah. And his his whole coming to grips with not excusing anything, but just saying, guys, guys, guys. We are just we're just babies, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And if we can avoid like falling off a cliff or something, then we'll be fine eventually. And what's really intriguing is he says that a lot. If you listen to him or read his writing, but to but to hear his voice say that. But then mm-hmm. when he t- when he turns it to these space scientists and says, you know, it's going to be ages before our rockets can get us to, you know, the distant stars, much less Alpha Centauri, close. But maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, we, we have a millennium of, of adventures here in our own solar system. Uh, it's something to that effect in here. Right, right. And, and uh, I, I won't jump to the end, but I love how he talks about our, 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 our intelligence advancing at an exponential rate. And, um, and, and the fact that we, there's something about, well, something I want to talk about later is, is his say how our, our universe was created and how it, it, it seems coincidental we're, we're i mean a deeper discussion now is is he talking about god is he talking about something else which which he was for, for the most part an atheist so it's an interesting sort yep. of a uh dialogue he's got going on there um but i love the fact that he says we as humans from birth uh we're not necessarily doing these things exploring our our worlds whether it was our living room or or the savannah mm-hmm. we weren't doing it necessarily just for food and safety we were doing it because we have a, an, an innate desire, need to explore. Yeah. And he says that a couple times in here. And he makes a great point because he talks about as a child, you know, what, what do we do? We crawl to other places. We don't sit on our butts and, and do nothing. We crawl because that's how you learn. You, you move out into a different mm-hmm. spot. And from that different spot, you have a different perspective and you learn from that perspective. And you go further and further and further and further. And he takes that all the way up into space travel. Um, and and it's it's just beautiful the way he kind of has that thread just going through this whole thing. Um, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And he does have the one thing in here. And he says, assuming we don't destroy ourselves at our present infant child level. Um, and he, he goes on later to say, of course, we won't do that uh, because we are getting smarter. But... You know, th- this was back in 1989, and uh, the optimism still rings true, but I'd be very curious if you gave him this script and said, you're going to go back to speak to the same audience, how would you revise this mm-hmm. for today? Would you? I mean, obviously, you can move the dates forward and the timetables forward and the, the exponential curve a little bit forward, but uh, is there a different tone or is there something else that he would want to say, which I think would be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's pendulum swings in history. We we went, you know, in his lifetime, in, in the very, when I was a kid, we went from really worried about nuclear Armageddon in the Cold War mm-hmm. 
Two, uh, the year he gave this, we don't have a month. Um, oh, January. By the end of 89, the Berlin Wall had fallen. And there was a mm -hmm. huge wave, you know, and the old Soviet bloc was falling apart. And there was a huge wave of optimism coming out of this. And we even got into space cooperation with yeah. the Soviet slash Russians. And yeah. it felt like the world was finally going to move on. And now the last five, ten years, we've had a resurgence of fascism and nationalism all around the world. So, and, and even threatening that some of that space cooperation. So we're getting a little more competitive and people competing for, you know, moon and Mars bases now and things. So it, it's, 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 it's so much of life, whether it's, you know, mega history on a big level or just the little niches of what we indulge. Everything has a pendulum. Everything ebbs and flows. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I know. What do you think he would? What do you think he would uh, do if he was doing the speech situation today? Well, something you brought up, and, and I, I just mentioned, the, the he often refers to humanity in our infantile or childlike mm -hmm. state right now. And and based on what you were just saying, you know, clearly it's not going to be a decade or two or three before we grow out of that. You know, unfortunately, uh, we as a species need to make our mistakes to learn. Hopefully, those mistakes aren't too cataclysmic. Um, and it's after we make many of those mistakes, do I think we learn. So I think it's going to be maybe century or centuries before we get out of that infantile sort of state. So what do I think? I, I think maybe a lot of this would be the same because it still holds true in terms of right. what he's saying. He's, he's, just, he's just talking to a very intelligent audience about humanity and space and, and, and should we be going into space and, and why are we going into space? And all, all of those, I think, ring true today just as well. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, he, he might use some other things. He had uh, South Africa and, and Beirut and, and some of those. Yeah, so the those, Beirut, uh, uh, Lebanon was in turmoil and, and civil war right, at the time. And, and so yeah. those sorts of wars were going on. Obviously, he would change some of that. But um, I mean, I think this really still holds up. Uh, I'm trying to find anything in here that might not uh, uh, hold up, but it, it absolutely does. I, I am curious. His, he, he proposes that, that since 1961, mm -hmm. is it, that our, our intelligence has been doubling every seven years. And measuring humans, humanity's intelligence, you know, I, I don't know where those statistics came from. My father was a, a voracious reader. He knew a lot right. of intelligent people. So just the way they, they measure populations, which I'm sure are only accurate to a degree, I'm sure someone had some sort of a, a metric for this. I'd be curious if we're still doing that because since 1961 every seven years our intelligence has been doubling i'm going to need some math soon here we're 2022 <laughs> so it's it's ex exponential seven yeah. board, which well, is what 14. he says he's in yes. 1989 and he's saying it's increased yeah this is this whole little metric is a thing we've got several of his you know in the in the 70s and 80s and this is a metric that he loves to talk about he might spin off into another dip but he has this as a core one of his core things he gets to he talks about how yeah. It's doubling every seven years, eight years. And at this point, and again, this is just a couple of, one of the last probably speeches he gave before he started to tail off doing the, the speaking circuit. But he's yeah. talking about this thing. About, and you know, it kind of it kind of brings up this point about, uh, he's talking about intelligence. And I'm sure the pace of what computers have done in AI as a tool yes. and storage have helped that. And, and we're just hitting a mass, a critical mass, but 
um, it kind of highlights there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom, as any Thank role you. player would know. Thank you. Yes, that is, Our, that those is are exactly different what stats. I get up. Yes, those are. When I was reading this at first, that that's what went to my head, and then I had to read it and say, "Oh, he says um, increase our knowledge. It's doubling. It's increasing our knowledge by a factor of, mm-hmm. of whatever two every seven years or what? I don't know. Anyhow, yeah. um, you're absolutely right. Our intellectual maturity uh, may not be doubling, um, and and as you kind of suggested earlier, you know, peaks and valleys. I, I sometimes think as a whole. Our, our, our human existence here, we're, we're sometimes taking three steps forward, two steps back. Um, my hope is that we're still yeah. taking three steps forward every time, though. Um, but I would be curious if he would talk about that. I'd want to say, OK, great. We're, 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 we're getting the ability to have greater knowledge, whether it's our, 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 our gray matter mind or our computers. Will we? This is the question will we uh, outpace or have we already outpaced our maturity i mean just because we have all this great intelligence it's it's the um the prime mm-hmm. directive in star trek we don't go down to a less evolved planet because they don't have warp capability yet they don't they haven't shown necessarily that ability to reach beyond their planet i think that is certainly one of the metrics that the prime directive does yeah are we not doing that to ourselves potentially in a way i mean this is a bigger question but i would love him to speak to that because uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's a damn good question. Because well, we have the ability, should we use it? <laughs> well, that's it. It's the intelligence versus wisdom. But that's, mm-hmm. of all the things I would read your dad's, you know, growing up, I didn't, again, we didn't have YouTube even, so I never saw him live, but always reading. And then the times I could see videos somehow of him on a documentary, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that phrasing of his is, it's okay where, you know, we just need to get out of this troubled youth you know, our crazy raging adolescence. He he yeah. would always look at the troubles of the time. And maybe in 1989, I think you said the pathway is the same. Maybe he was being optimistic about the scale of, of how sure. fast things would move along. Maybe sure. it'll be that same scale. But but I mean, he yeah, he was a he was an optimist for one thing. You know, just purely as a pri- that's his that was his nature, and that's what drove yeah. him to do Star Trek. Uh, and a lot of the other pieces he he did, you know, some of his packs, you know, the Genesis 2 and all that. It's like, well, maybe there's been a cataclysm, but our innate sense is going to triumph in the end. Our innate that, that, optimism and curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, a, a discussion for another time <laughs> is, is do we need one more um, uh, uh, terrible uh, right. whether cleansing it's a war or yeah, yeah. I mean, do we need that? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, Humans don't necessarily act, I think, sometimes until it's too late, at least modern day humans, you know, whether it's the environment, what education, you name it. But we, we usually wait until the problem is at our doorstep and mm-hmm. is affecting us out of sight, out of mind. And listen, I'm not just preaching here. I'm, I'm of the same thing. I, I don't know what's going on in half the world or most of the world, probably. And I won't until it affects me, uh, not because I'm a jerk. Maybe I am, but I just don't seek out all the horrific things that are going on in the right. world because uh, there are enough in our neighborhood uh metaphorically speaking so um anyhow discussion for another time i also want to uh say i want to give the orville uh, a shout out uh, the series the orville who's mm-hmm. ever listening to this in the future they, they've had uh, at least two episodes where they have a species that has advanced so much and, and talks about growing out of the the infantile phase and uh you know uh, seth mcfarland's obviously been a huge uh fan of star mm-hmm. trek especially the the next generation and 
And I'm 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 so excited when I see episodes like that because once again, not to take any credit away from Seth, the writers, the entire team there, but I, I hear my father and I hear this sort of the story that he tells uh, about us being in our infantile state. Yeah. So I I absolutely just love it. I just can't wait for us to be out of that state. <laughs> yeah, well, and to somebody who's a storyteller and having to work in a commercial world that's uh, so easy to fall into the dystopian things is being exciting mm -hmm. and thrilling and challenging and dramatic and hewing to an optimistic uh, mindset, even for commercial entertainment, is yeah. is a bold move, much less... And that's challenging. Know. And writers have always been challenged with how do you do something without traditional conflict? Um, but my dad, my dad was able to do it, and he, mm -hmm. he, uh, he got a few other people to do it, too. Whether it was all those uh, crazy writers in the 60s trying to bend to his way or even trying to tame a writer's room in the 90s or even today, um, figure out the way to pass. Rod, yes. thank you so much for coming in and enjoy. I mean, these themes of genes, the op the scientist and the artist and their synergy, the optimism, its they're all themes for today. Um, they were all themes in his time. and. He was a great one to pioneer them, and, and thanks for joining us and uh, celebrating 200 shows. Thank you. and, and Absolutely. Uh, and, and what a great one to celebrate with. And, and everyone definitely should read this. It's, it is inspirational. If you're feeling a little uh, dispassionate about the future, this, this, will, uh, this, will, this, will, this will give you a little bit more optimism. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again. Cheers, guys. Everyone. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Hey, all of our documents like this one and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Uh, yes, that's me at larrynemachek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop too. 200 episodes, everyone. Trek well. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.